Hi. I want to break everything. I am so annoyed. No. This is going to be like our most frustrating episode. Hey, Olivia. Hey, Ashley. Welcome to Drunk of the Book Club. A podcast for lonely drunk bookcasters. Yes. Yay! Cheers! Cheers! Do you want to give the summary this week? Um, sure. So we read Threadbare, Closed Sex and Trafficking, and then is the subtitle also The Connections Between Global Fashion and Sex Sex Trades? Oh yeah, I guess so. Anyways, it's a comics report from the Lady Drawers, not Lady Drawers, (laughs) and Anne Elizabeth Moore. Um, founding editor of New York Times bestselling Best American Comics. I just read the whole title for everybody. It's just like everything. Um, so it's a book that's broken up into four chapters, the United States, Austria, Cambodia, and the world. And it's about um, the global, global fashion and textiles and the connections with the sex trades. Um, and it's all in, like, comic-slash-graphic novel format. And so, basically, like, Anne Elizabeth Moore did a bunch of research and interviews and then worked with these comics or these artists to create the, like, illustrated graphic novel version of, like, the information to disseminate the information. Is that pretty much it? Yeah. Seems like a good summary. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what did what do you think? What are, what are your first impressions? First impression. Um. Okay. First things that are coming to my mind right now mm-hmm. was, well, what I just mentioned to you earlier, and that I've never read comic strips or graphic novels, so mm-hmm. it's hard for me to follow. <laughs> um, two, I trust nobody now. Ooh. Like, even organizations that are meant to help people, I don't understand. Yeah, the NGOs. I fear, I fear it all. Yeah, take down here. And, but it was interesting. I was, I think each chapter, as I finished it, I was wondering how, you know, I thought about the words, clothes, sex, and trafficking Mm -hmm. throughout the whole time reading it, Mm -hmm. and how it was all going to come together. Yeah. It was, I'm probably going to read it again, mm-hmm. because I think that, like I said, reading a book or, like, a graphic novel or comics or whatever, uh-huh. it was hard for me, so yeah. I definitely want to read it again and kind of take my time, and I think I'll get more from it, um, but those are my first thoughts. So what was, like, the hard part is, like, what to read next, like, panel yeah, it's like, I bounce around too much. Mm. I get distracted by everything mm-hmm. um, when I'm looking at it in this format. Yeah. So either <laughs> I will not understand which bubble I'm supposed to read next, or I'll read it in what I think is the right way and then be like, oh, but what is it like to read it this other way? <laughs> which isn't helpful at all because it's just the wrong order. <laughs> but um, I just get distracted it's and then so there's all the pictures and I like look at all of them, and yeah. then I, oh, gosh, yeah, I just, like, part, I don't know, my mind just gets so confused when reading these. <laughs> um, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I'm not, like, a big, I haven't read very many graphic novels. Like, I read Mouse 1 and 2 when I was student teaching them a couple years ago, and then I also read Persepolis, 
And I don't know if, I don't think I read the follow-up, but those are basically, like, the only graphic novels that I read. Although I have, like, a desire to read more. Mm-hmm. But I also, I feel like you, my experience of reading them is not, like, I don't have that many experiences. And so for me, sometimes I get tripped up with, like, what to read next panel-wise. But oftentimes what it is is that I just, like, I read too quickly through I think because I'm used to just, like, reading the words, and so I don't take the time to look at the illustrations as much. Right. So I always feel like I have to read them multiple times, or, like, I have to look at a page a couple times, because obviously it's not just the words. Right. So, excuse me, it's also about the illustrations. Um, But for me, because, like I mentioned before we started recording, or before we started talking, or whatever we were talking, (laughs) like I mentioned before... I didn't order the heart, like the paper copy soon enough, yeah. and so I got the Kindle version. And some of some of them were really hard to read. Like I don't know, maybe this is like good feedback for Kindle readers. Oh yeah. Um, because you can't like here. I'll show you. You can't like zoom in on a page. Oh, you, I don't know if you can see. It's too bright, huh? Oh, there it is. So you can't zoom oh. in on a panel. Yeah. But you can double click it. And then it becomes, like, zoomable. Okay. But it doesn't keep the same resolution. Oh, shoot. So some of the, like, this one's pretty good. If you look, you can read the words pretty well. I don't know if it's, like, shining off of yours, so you can't really see it. But, um, like, some of them that had, like, really scratchy, like, text, or it was, like, faint, I couldn't really read very well. So some of the some of the comics when you look at them they're very like the text is really thick uh-huh. and you can read it really well. So even though like I'd have to zoom in and it wouldn't be like perfect resolution, I could still read it. But yeah. some of them have kind of scratchy handwriting, and so yeah. when I would try to read it and I would zoom in, it just like blurred. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, to that point, like there were some parts that it was so small, mm-hmm. it was very hard for me to read. Oh, okay. So even for you on the real version? Even with my glasses on, I I was struggling at some points. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, was it other than the font or like the size of the text, was it hard reading it on a Kindle? Um, that was really it. It was like, it added some extra steps because you couldn't just like go page to page to page to page because you had to, like, open it up as a JPEG sort of equivalent. Oh, interesting. I mean, like, you had to double-click it, and then it became, like, oh, here's an image. It, it was it was definitely a different reading experience because usually yeah. if I read anything on a Kim, Kindle, it's just, like, a regular book, and so you just flip through it. Right, right. Um, so that was kind of, like, I wish I had got – I wish I had bought the um, the regular version in time. Yeah. Because I'm also, like, you mentioned that you want to go back and read it. Yeah. And I'm probably not going to go back and read it, not because I don't want to, but because it just is kind of a pain. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you can borrow mine after I read after I read it again. Okay, I might take you up on that. <laughs> so what um, did you think about, like, the information and or maybe, like, the way it was set up or just, you know, the content? Um, again, like I said, I, I was trying to think of clothes, sex, and trafficking through each chapter, um, and I was trying to figure out, I guess I got a little 
caught up on Austria. Mm. So I was wondering kind of, like, I get its connection, but it also just seemed more like a history lesson than mm. anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked the setup. I liked that they took, it kind of reminded me of modern romance. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah. like, he, you know, spent time in the different countries looking at it, or yeah. different ideas, and, like, I, I liked that for this book as well, to spend time not just looking at it from one perspective. Right. Um, and, like, for me personally, because of, like, my job, mm-hmm. the Cambodia chapter was really fascinating. Right. Uh, um, and it was, you know, some of this information I already knew, some I didn't quite realize. So I like to buy USB products. Yeah. Because I know the labor laws. So it was interesting mm-hmm. to, like, actually see what people were making and, like, their livable wages in the different countries oh, was yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I feel like this has inspired me further to, like, because I always thought I would buy from other countries if I knew their labor laws and knew right. kind of what their standards were. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has inspired me to kind of dive into that further. Yeah. Because um, I would not have guessed that Mexico was, like, on the higher end mm-hmm. of, like, paying livable wages and stuff like that, so. Yeah. I don't know, what, yeah, what were your first thoughts about the book? And um, I definitely was, I was just, I kind of, like, you mentioned how you were trying to, as you were reading through, you were connecting it back to the title, and I was kind of just, like, reading it straight through. So when I was reading it through, I guess the way that I kind of, like, broke them up in my mind thematically was like the United States was like the eye-opening section where it was supposed to be like hey like here we're setting the stage and recognizing that like it's close to home it has an effect too and then Austria I thought of more as like the an interesting viewpoint into like the politics of textiles and garments and that was a really interesting just because, like you mentioned, they go over the history of the textile industry in Austria, but then also how, like, it's kind of a political statement now to wear that outfit. Um, right. And so that was really interesting. Oh, and side note, like, I became obsessed with that one designer, the Lena Hoshek. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, shit, I want her shit. <laughs> I looked up her website. Nice. Um, and then Cambodia. Was Cambodia the one that focused on NGOs? No. So, Or was that the world? Uh, I think it was kind of in both. I guess so. I guess those two kind of blended for me because they seemed very thematically similar. Um, But I agree with you at the end, or by the end, I was really thinking about what I need to do personally to make, like, smart and responsible choices with my, like, clothes. And I've always been somebody who's a thrift shopper. Yeah. Like, the majority of my clothes come from the thrift shop. But then, like, this dress I'm wearing right now is from the Target clearance section. Nice. And it's, like, I I can't look at the label right now because I'm not, like, a contortionist. But, like, I'm sure it's made somewhere that is really bad. And so, it's, like, for the most part, I buy used clothes, but then I'll, my, like, one... Uh, Vice is, like, the Target clearance section, and then I'll just buy a bunch of cheap shit, which is, like, almost more insulting that I'm, like, waiting for it to be really cheap, you know? (laughs) 
Um, so, and then I'm also very, like, into the idea of buying from, like, small designers in the U.S., but also small designers in the U.S. don't always get their fabrics from this area. So, anyways, I just, it made me also feel like I need to be, and I want to be, more cognizant of where I'm getting my clothing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think it's really important for clothing, and not just clothing, but, you know, most things that we use. Oh, God, yeah. But you're good at that with your with your little business. That's true, local stuff. But yeah. it's like I don't even know if I can begin to open the can of worms that is electronics. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, I feel like one thing at a time. Ah, uh, yes. I can't, we can't master it all. That's true. Right from the start. Yeah. Um, but yeah, electronics, I don't even know what's possible with that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. God, I know. I guess at least like at the end of this book, I was like, okay, there are tangible things that I can do. Right. And when it comes to electronics, I'm looking at my computer right now, my phone right next to me, my Kindle, my... Like, looking over there, there's my television, and there's the thermostat, you know, like, there's the thermometer. So, I don't know. It just seems, like, way more overwhelming. Yeah, there's a lot to it. Um, But, yeah, like you said, like, there are tangible things that we can do to be more aware and more careful. I mean, I guess I would just say, for me, it was eye-opening, like... Yeah. And also confirming things that I already know, but kind of, like, want to remain, or, like, in the past have wanted to remain blissfully unaware of. Uh-huh. As shitty as it sounds. So, like, having the confirmation that, like, the global clothes trade is really connected with sex and trafficking in right. unexpected ways, actually. Right. I guess that's yeah. something we haven't talked about is, like, how the expectation is, like, no, like, we're going to get these sex-trafficked women back into jobs when a lot of them ended up in that trade, sometimes willingly, because, because yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. was complicated. Very complicated, which is actually one of those chapters that I think I especially want to go back and read, mm-hmm. um, because I think I was getting overwhelmed with the layout and then with the subject matter, and yeah. just, I want to, I want to read it again. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, that section with, um, what is her name? Lady Serpentine or Libertine Serpentine or something like that? Serpent, Libertine. Libertine, yes. Yeah. So, in that section where she was talking about, like, the sex trade and talking Uh about voluntary, um, sex workers. Right. And that's a conversation or, like, a... Yeah, that's a conversation that I have been aware of right. and that I have, like, read interesting articles about, probably in, like, Bitch Magazine mm-hmm. and other places. Um, back when Jezebel was a lot cooler yeah. there, too. Um, and, or, like, uh, the gloss was cooler as well. Anyways, the point is, like, I feel like I have definitely been that, like, idealistic college student who's, like, got the shirt with, like, and sex trafficking, you know, like she was mentioning, um, without necessarily recognizing, like, 
the fact that there are voluntary members of this economy and that a lot of the ways that we go about trying to sort of subvert ends up also hurting people who rely on that as a source of income. Yeah. And how complicated it is. Um, But it's also one of those topics that's like so complicated that I feel I'm not totally qualified to have like, to be very conversant on it. Right. At this point. Right. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, totally agreed. That was really interesting. I really, really liked that section. By like, I mean, like, it was really, it was engaging. All of it was really engaging, though, for me. Totally. It was all engaging. Mm -hmm. And it was all, you know, I enjoyed that there's a lot of facts in there. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, like, the section with the tailor. Mm -hmm. That was really interesting, and I've often thought about that. You know, like, I'm sure you've probably read about how, you know, fashion and clothes and the way that especially women, although he wasn't a woman, but especially women um, have interact with clothing has changed so much in such a short amount of time Mm -hmm. with the way that we have like textiles created through automation and fast fashion now, you know, taking that to an extreme when like, you know, people used to, people used to have a family tailor, you know? Right, right. Or you would go to your tailor and, and, you know, get something fixed. Or you'd make it yourself. Or, you know, just the way that we're, like, pretty – we're pretty separated from our clothes. They they aren't they aren't something that I don't at least feel intimately connected to. It just feels like something to put on my body. Right. Yeah, that was an interesting section. Um, it reiterates that idea that the further we are from our clothing mm-hmm. or, like, the more separation there is, like, the easier it is to create fast fashion and mm. like all the issues that are there when we don't feel that connection, there isn't, you know, a more hands-on approach that we're taking to it. Yeah. Well, and also like, you know, I guess that, cause he's like a, he's like a fancy, fancy tailor was pointing out that like, there is no like uniqueness to the fashion that we wear, you know, it's mass right. produced and it's the same if you go to Austria, if you go to Chicago, right. if you go to, you know, anywhere. Right. These same products are for sale in these like major cities that have, you know, H&Ms and mangoes and whatnot. So it becomes like totally disconnected from any kind of like culture or any kind of like personal fashion right right which also is problematic yeah the moral of the story is it's a great educational book yeah i would recommend it i want to read it again yeah i think it's important that we all are aware of where our products are coming from how they're made and who the people and to consider who the people are that are making them. Yeah, I totally agree. And like I felt that it was so illuminating in understanding like it's not as simple as just being like people are paid poor wages, you know? Right. Right. Which exactly. is that was kind of my like understanding before. Like people are paid badly, the people in the garment industry, and it sucks. But it's way, way more than that, way more complicated than that, way more um important to recognize that as a consumer, you're not only, like, you're not only um, helping to create a system in which people 
women especially are paid badly, but you're also creating a system that is like systematically keeping like whole countries of people like subservient to this industry, which is like disgusting. Right. Oh my gosh. Um, And on so many levels. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fashion industry is so messed up. Right. Um, They go back into sex working, um, whether by choice or by being trafficked. Right. Um, Yeah, it's just, on so many levels, this industry needs to be, I don't know, redeveloped. Well, and it's so scary hearing about those, um, what are they, FTZs, those, like, trade zones in which, (laughs) like, there are no laws, and it's like... Which, yeah, like, I... That up, I never knew about those. Uh huh, me neither. I did not know those existed, and I felt like being someone who works in retail, Mm -hmm. I should have known about those, and it's just so shocking to me. And you know, not to be a spiel for my company, but we always talk about being vertically integrated, Mm -hmm. and I didn't understand the importance of that, Mm -hmm. or I thought I did until I heard of these, right? And moreover, like. Talking about, I mean, it's it's an election cycle, not to get political, but talking about, like, corporations being able to evade, like, taxes, and right. it's just built in the into the very structure, which is, like, disgusting, because already yep. they're paying people so much less money than they should be, and then, moreover, right. not paying, you know, the fair share of taxes right. that could oh, be used positively. Yeah, it's just so messed up. I know. Ugh. So, moral of the story, I'm, like, only going to buy from thrift stores, basically. (laughs) Perfect. Yes, I think that's a good moral. Yeah. So, The Woman in Cabin 10 by Ruth Ware is next. All right. So, where can people reach us? Olivia. Um, They can find us on Twitter at Drunk of the Book. Mm-hmm. Or on Instagram at Drunk of the Book. Mm Mm-hmm. Or they can email us at drunkofthebook at gmail.com. True. Yay. Or they can go to their we- our website, too. Oh, right. Drunkofthebook.com. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. Please leave us a review. Yes, please leave us a review. We really want to be searchable. <laughs> please. <laughs> it would be cool if people could, like, find us. Yes. And, again, calling out loved ones, fam, and friends. Please. Please, please, guys. Mom. Mom and dad. (laughs) Everybody. Uh, All right, well, sorry for such a bad... Oh, my God. What a day. What a day. What a day. Oh, my God. We did it, though. We completed it. We did it. We made it. Let's get reading.